Welcome back. This week on the podcast, I'm joined by Don Reichelt. Don is an ultra runner. Um, he's an athlete. He's a world record holder. He has represented the United States in a race in 2017 where he raced from Athens to Sparta, 153 miles. He's competed in all the top um, long distance races, um, some incredible finishes, the third fastest trail 100 mile in north america in 2020 he has three world records that he got in 2022 and he has aspirations to compete um as part of the united states team and races coming up in this conversation we talked through his story and i think it's very relatable to a lot of people about how he got away from training and running during some a portion of his life but then he found it again, and it has slowly become his full-time career. He also does multiple side projects. He's um, partnered with tons of brands. He lives in Colorado, where him and his wife um, are doing all types of adventures. He has two rescue dogs, um, Bean and Sprout, that he also loves. Um, overall, I just truly enjoyed having Don on the show. Um, I think we would be close friends outside of uh if we live closer or you know if we have more time to get together uh, i just think he's a really great guy and uh, he stands for the right things um, another thing that i believe in i think stands for the right things is spinks spinks is a partner of mine and most people might just know them as a convenience store or a gas station or a car wash or maybe they pick up some some food or some fried chicken from them but when you see Spinks on your on your street corner, know that they are not just there as a convenience store. They invest in the communities that they're in. They're incredible partners um, with the communities that they serve. They have invested millions and millions of dollars to incredible organizations like the March of Dimes. I mean, shoot, they even help me be able to do this show and hopefully spread um, positive uh, stories and you know inspirational stories of of people that i love so spinks is an incredible partner um, their link is in the show notes if you go to their link you can find um, the convenience store look uh, closest to you but you know what next time you're driving down the road and you see a spinks um, just know that they're not just a convenience store they invest in the communities they're in so make sure to stop in um, visit them and uh you know, use them as your local convenience store, local gas station if you can, because like I said, they are investing in the communities they are in. And as Don talks about on the show, um, he's all for the healthy lifestyle. And Rebel Rabbit is on a mission to change the way we socialize and socialize smarter and healthier. Rebel Rabbit is a alcohol-free seltzer. It is infused with Delta 9 THC, and they have they're racking up the retailers all over the country, but you can also go to the link in the show notes and you get 20% off your order. Um, the promo code is LIFE20 to get 20% off your order. So just click on the link in the show notes. It'll take you directly to their website. They have some incredible flavors. They have two different levels of their drink, so it doesn't matter which level you are on, if you've ever tried it or not, um, they have something for you. It's an incredible alternative for alcohol. Uh, many of us grew up, and if you're in a social scene, you needed to have an alcoholic drink in your hand to feel like you're fitting in. 
That is no more. And Rebel Rabbit is on the mission to change that. So visit the link in the show notes. You'll get 20% off your order. And you can find a convenience store closest to you that is selling Rebel Rabbit. You can just go scoop them up today. Um, if you haven't done so already, give um, the show a five-star rating on your listening platform. If you're on Apple, you can give it a written review. That would be greatly appreciated by me and it would help other people find the show. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Don Reichelt. Don, what's up, man? We were just talking. You are from a town that is named after South Park, the show? Yeah, so I live, I live in South Park, Colorado, which is commonly fair play is the name today. But yeah, South Park is south part of Park County. And yeah, the show is based off of where I live now. Dude, it's kind of crazy. I've I've known South Park the show for forever, and my friends love it. But I never really put two and two together that they named it after like an actual town. Yeah, it's it's a fun party fact. Uh, easy easy piece of introduction for for people. They're like, you live where? I live in Fairplay, but if you've ever seen the cartoon South Park, I live in South Park. Very cool. It is. It's uh, I don't have a stat like that I can say about my hometown. <laughs> or uh, yeah, cool fun fact. Where did uh, where did you grow up? I grew up in Iowa, uh, Eastern Iowa, Quad Cities, went to the University of Iowa for college. And uh, man, I my whole life, all I ever wanted to do was live in Colorado. And then when I was 28, I finally made it out to Colorado and I've been out here for uh, 10 years now. 10 years, yeah. Birthday coming up next Tuesday. Birthday coming up in just a couple of days. That's right. <laughs> um, early on in your life, uh, were you a runner? Like what did you do uh, for fitness or training or sort of things? My biggest passion when I was a when I was a youth, which seems like so many so many years ago now, uh, was baseball. Actually, I love baseball so much. I still love baseball to this day. I watch try to watch at least one baseball game a day during the summer. Um, big big baseball fan. I'm a Cubs fan. My heart is broken right now. They've they've uh, they've tanked it pretty hard. First team, I think, in the history of baseball to lose five games in the final month of the season in the eighth inning or later that they've oh. been leading. So it's just been heartbreaking, and now they're out of a playoffs position. So, um, but yeah, I'm a Cubs fan. I, I grew up playing baseball, loving baseball, just love being outside. Um, I ran in high school, track cross country. I hated my coaches. I wasn't great. Never broke 20 minutes in a 5K. Um, it was a decent 800 runner, but I just I used running in high school just to get me outside. Mm-hmm. I, is this another another thing to do that was outside? Um, had a couple of low level offers to run track in college didn't take them because i hated my coaches and i just thought well if i hated it in high school i'm just gonna hate it even more in college so i didn't run at all in college i um i actually walked onto the crew team at university of iowa and i rode collegiate crew for four years Damn, that's pretty so i didn't know that yeah yeah that's that's another fun fact um i i rode i loved it again what I, I've always, my whole life, this main theme is finding excuses to get me outside, uh, right? Like, let's look for the thing that, that will keep me from sitting in front of a desk all day, every day, keep me, like, so it's running, it's biking, it's, it was crew. First thing in the morning, sun rising on the water is, is one of the coolest experiences uh, that you can imagine. What's the lake? I mean, for me to picture crew at a college, like I wouldn't pick, you know, I wouldn't even think Iowa might have a crew team. Yeah. So the, the Iowa... The Iowa River goes right down the middle of the campus. Oh, very cool. Um, so we we crewed, uh, we rode right on 
the river every single morning. Um, you can go up and down the river. There is a lake out there, but uh, we wait, we we rode right on the river there. Dang, very cool. I uh, I just had some girls on from the Clemson crew team, and they're about a row from California to Hawaii. Dang, yeah, that's that's a little that that's there's a big financial. Uh, part of that those boats that can roll and yeah, do crazy, crazy stuff in the ocean and self-contained and have beacons and uh yeah that's that's i, I love the water but i don't love the water that much me like, did it's out and they're not <laughs> insisted like they are it's going to be a crazy feat um one of them has already rode from europe to florida um with uh Holy with your mom. family life did you grow up with brothers and sisters yeah so um i, I have one old shit one older sister um, grew up with just my mom and my sister and yeah, I, I it, it's interesting. I, I come from a, a family that athletics and sports is not our thing at all. Uh, I'm kind of the, the outlier for sure. in, in the community, my family that, that can be fit and healthy and, and run and do anything. So it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I still to this day don't know where all of these drives and passions to be outside and run and be fit and come from but i'm I'm really happy that i picked it up somewhere along the way yes without a doubt i think uh has to do probably with something the way it makes you feel being outside yeah. and running and 100 and i know that's huge for me for like my mental health and all that sort of stuff yep you um yep. go ahead oh, i was gonna say there's a there's a freedom to being outside that you know even today, whatever your problems are, you can either go solve them or forget them by being outside. And yeah, you get still you get to walk. choose. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. It's uh, it's funny because I was reading because I think I guess after you got out of college, you kind of stopped running. You weren't being super yeah. active, and you kind of got overweight at some time, or just like feeling unhealthy yep. in a way, and that led you back to running. What were you doing right after college? Where you kind of get yeah. healthy for a few years. So it was actually after my my final season of crew, right before graduation. I, I lost that that team, the the community aspect of of fitness, and I just had no, I had nothing to do that was organized, and I'd always been around organized activities and things like that, and um, so I lost that, and I it went months without really doing anything, and I remembered I rode at about one. 55 158 i remember weighing in at 199.8 and i was like i was like i am not hitting 200 pounds and so i um i actually bought a bike and started biking i said i see something um so i i bought a bike started biking and then my buddy convinced me it's like hey man you should do a triathlon and i said and so this will be a theme that we probably get into um I'm very go big or go home. And so my buddy's like, hey, let's do a triathlon. I'm like, yeah, but if we're doing a triathlon, I'm committing to an Ironman right off the bat. Because I like I, I grew up watching like wide world of sports or something, right? And they, they put uh, the Hawaii Ironman and Kona on the TV. It's so, like, I'm going to do this Ironman. Thing. I didn't know how to swim. Like I, I knew how to like save my life to swim, but I didn't really know how to that long swim. Instance. No, no. And so that that gave me that foundation of like let's do something i don't know i can accomplish that really hard thing that is going to drive me propel me to pushing myself outside so far outside of my comfort zone then um and so yeah so i i biked more i started getting back into running for the first time since high school and 
started swimming a lot. Ended up doing three Ironman races pretty successfully. Um, the first one was was rough, but the the second two were pretty good. Got down to a ten iron ten hour Ironman, and I was training for really good. Yeah, like I was really happy with it, and I was I was thinking, okay, if I really go in on this, maybe I can get to Kona. Maybe I can get to the Ironman World Championship in my age group. And during that training for that fourth Ironman, I just moved to Boulder. I, I, I'm out here training for a road race, and I'm living in one of the most beautiful places in the world for trail running and mountains and i'm like so i get to boulder and i'm like riding on the road and i'm running on the road i'm swimming in a pool and i can just see the flat irons i can see the mountains behind me and i'm just progressively getting more and more frustrated that i'm not like i moved to colorado to be in the mountains and i'm training on road so i had a little bit of a meltdown i was doing I, this is actually a funny story i was i was doing a, a practice at the boulder reservoir in boulder they have these what are called stroke and strides and you do a like a thousand yard swim and then run a 5k and it's, it's a it's a quote-unquote race but it's a community thing it's like a tuesday night and so i was doing that and i got kicked in the face really hard it broke my goggles i was like 100 yards into the swim and i had a total meltdown i chucked my goggles like as far as i could i swam back to the beach the next day i sold all of my triathlon stuff and i probably haven't i don't think i've swam since then that was over 10 years ago um so a little bit of a hissy fit but i wasn't happy with with being on road. I moved to Colorado to be in the mountains. And so that next day I started running trails and I at the same time had a buddy that was doing the Leadville 100 run. And he's like, Hey, can you pace me? It's like, I don't know what that means, but let's do it. Um, and so I ended up started to run a little bit more trails. I paced my buddy. It was the longest I'd ever run up to that point. I think I did a 28 mile stretch and it kicked my ass, but it was amazing. And right then and there I can, I committed to doing a hundred mile race the next year at Leadville. Dang. So you pace your friend for Leadville and you made up your mind to come back the next year and run in it. Yeah. And so the depth of that story is my buddy didn't just do Leadville. He did Leadman, which is all of the races running and biking in Leadville throughout the summer. And so I was like, well, if this dude can do it, I did too. So I signed up for Leadman as well the next year. And it culminates with, um, a uh, hundred mile mountain bike in Leadville. The next day you do the 10 K run in Leadville. And then six days later you do the hundred mile run. Um, and that's on top of doing the 50 miles and the, in the marathon earlier in the summer. But like, I was just like, screw it. I don't know if I can do it, but I love the idea of doing something. that's so hard. I might fail. Um, that's, that's kind of always been something that's been appealing to me is like, where is that line that if I sign up for this, I could fail. Well, that was an accomplishment. I learned something. Mm -hmm. Even if I failed miserably, I, I'm not going to sign up for that thing. I know I can do. What was uh, what was your mind, or what was the feeling when you finished? Like your, what was your first long distance race? Was it the yeah? So one? so later to that, so after I signed up for Leadman, I actually ended up doing a 50 mile run mm -hmm. um, right at the end of that year, um, and I, I I just turned 28 when I did my first ultra. Um, so 10 years ago now, and it was 50 miles. It was flat as a pancake back in the Midwest in Illinois, nice. totally flat. I was like, I'll see if I can do it. And it, it was hard, but I was like, okay, I think, I think if I work hard enough at this sport, maybe I, maybe I could not feel miserable every time I run. Um, and so that kind of just like, let's just see where I goes. And the, the curiosity drove me. And then the next year rolled around and I, 
started that series and did the the marathon, the 50, the 100 mile bike, the 100 mile run. And man, I got my ass completely handed to me. I was destroyed. So, so destroyed. Um, Almost didn't finish the bike. I was only 12 minutes to the final cutoff on the bike. Almost didn't finish the run. I was about an hour to the final cutoff on the run. Um, but man, I loved the process of getting there. And that, so that my, my fate and my future was sealed at the finish line of that run. (laughs) What, um, did you have a training group 10 years ago? Like who were you training with? Yeah. So I, I bought, I had a coach and I was in Boulder. So, you know, Boulder, Colorado has, you know, you turn your head one way, you got one training group, turn your head the other, you got another training group. So I have plenty of people to train with. Um, I, I have always enjoyed training solo more than training with the group. But as you develop, having that group around you is really important. Um, and this goes back earlier, right? I go outside at the in nature so I can kind of be alone. I can, I can feel the the world around me. I can feel that energy. Um, and so sometimes I would go out in a group and I wouldn't totally enjoy it. Whereas if it went out by myself, I would get what I wanted to out of it. So I, I experimented with, with how I trained a little bit, having a coach at least kind of gave me that direction of how I was training, what I needed to do. Um, and then just being, even if I was running by myself, being in Boulder and running on those trails, there's thousands of people out. Uh, so you're always going to be around somebody that's, you know, running faster or slower than you. So there's, there's enough positive human energy to, to drive you, even if you're just alone in your thoughts. Do you remember what some of your early goals were during your training? Oh man, survive. <laughs> I, right. So I never ridden, I never ridden a mountain bike and I'd never run a hundred miles before. And I'm now I'm going to, now I'm going to run a bike, one of the hardest hundred mile bikes. And then a week later run a hundred miles. And so, <laughs> so I say, it amazes me is people that do that like yourself. <laughs> so during that, that training, I, I fell off my bike a ton. I crashed all the time. I mean, I was so cut up and bloody. Um, totally different, like kind of connected story though is um, I met my wife online and I met her online because some of the, one of the pictures that I posted was me having just crashed my mountain bike, kind of covered in blood. Like, I, like dude, like, I think it looks badass. Like I just look like I just took a big fall. And she actually just made fun of me. Uh, online for it and then we started talking and now we've been married for over five years so nice uh, it's it's just one of those really funny things you find this picture that you think looks cool and it it goes back to that first year of doing something really hard but i didn't know i could do i crashed a lot i failed a lot i learned a lot um and yeah so so learning how to bike learning how to run far man it was looking back it was just such a cool summer though yeah, dude, I bet. Uh, I mean, is the summer that started your life, like almost a new life for you? Totally, hundred percent. Yep, yep. That was, and that was the last summer of my twenties. So, like, I, I went out on a bang that year. I, I did did Leadman. Um, it's been it, it's been a wild journey since then. And just, I think being bad at it right off the bat really drove me to where I'm at today. Nice. Because yeah. again, because awesome, some people would give up. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I I fell in love with the process. And not the results. Like I, the results were there. Like I finished, right? That's better than most people and a lot of people. But I, I fell in love with the process of getting up, doing something hard that I don't know I can do, driving myself. And and then 
I finished and I was like, okay, I think if I just work a little harder, a little smarter, I can get faster and faster. And I went from, from that race and I signed up for another hundred and took a couple hours off my time. And then I, then I just went all in. And from, so I, my progression of, of hundred mile times went, uh, 29 hours, 26 hours, 16 hours. Um, and my, my first 300, just, just over the time of dedicating to the process and busting my butt to, to do something I was really enjoying. Insane. Rebel Rabbit is on a mission to provide a healthier and smarter way to socialize and drink. Their alcohol-free cannabis-infused seltzers are perfect for anybody just trying to kick back and relax after a hard day at work or on the golf course with your friends or hanging out at a party and you want to wake up and feel better the next day. Their seltzers are perfect for you. They are a great alternative to alcohol as well. Their website is drinkrebelrabbit.com. Use promo code LIFE20. You'll get 20% off your order. That link is in the show notes. But join the mission and start drinking and socializing smarter with Rebel Rabbit Seltzers. With, uh, with the running world, I've found it's a very close-knit community. You know, I think y'all support each other and you kind of get to know everybody in the community, especially, you know, the ultra runners and people doing these incredible feats of these long distance runs. Did you have a guy you kind of looked up to or, or individual that you've kind of like been a mentor to you in a way? There's been a lot of people that I've met along the way. It is, it is a close knit community for sure. And it's a community that people share a lot. And so I, I, the first thing I go to when I think of that question is I think of Scott Jurek, um, who I don't really know personally, but I, he's just such an important beacon in the ultra trail community. Um, his book, Eat and Run, was one of the first things that I read that really triggered me that I was like, I, I want to be a part of this community. Like he seems like a, such a cool guy. And um, yeah, he, he lives in Boulder and I've, I've crossed paths with him on Mount Sanitas a ton. And uh, I've and still look up to him and what he's doing now he's, he's, he's on the other side of this, but like, that's, that's a name that even though he's not a close personal mentor that I can sure. call up, uh, um, he's somebody that I've really looked up to in his career and how he accomplished it. Um, and then just people that are out, I, I, I think it's maybe not necessarily mentorship, but inspiration. I can draw inspiration on a lot of things. And one of the things that really inspires me are People that like I have aspirations of winning races now. There are people that are have done more hundreds than me that will never have an inspiration or, or or a goal or ability to win a race, and that they still show up every single day, train just as hard as me, whip just as hard as me, and push themselves just as hard, while the whole time knowing they might get time cut or DNF'd or any. And I just do that. I have more respect for that mindset and mentality than. I could probably ever articulate that is incredible to me that people put in all this work and just know that, Hey, unless everything goes right, I'm probably not finishing this rate, but I'm here anyways, I'm showing up and I'm doing the work and that, that inspires me every day. Yeah, you're right. I, uh, I mean, I see that all the time with like people that might have like a disability or they might have, you know, a broken arm and they might have something that you would think where people can't do something. And then like you see them do it and you're like, holy shit, like. Yeah, I can, you know, I need to get my ass up and yeah, <laughs> if, this, if this guy doesn't have an excuse, why the hell do I? Yeah, exactly. Right. Have you, um, have you ever crossed past, uh, I know you've read, ran in the bad water, I believe. Um, yeah. you ever crossed past with Goggins? 
you know, I haven't. Um, he's he's a guy. Obviously, everybody in the, the community knows. I don't know. Everybody has an opinion on Goggins. Definitely. <laughs> um, I, I think it's mostly he's he's mostly a a, a great personality for the industry. If, if he gets more people into ultra running, that's amazing. Sometimes I struggle with his um, how he sells. I got to go hard all the time because, yep. right, let me tell you how to be a smart athlete. It's not going hard all the time. There are some days, and I the, I, I put this reel out on my Instagram, I think last winter, and I got blown up by Goggins people. And I said, you know what? Sometimes the best version of your run happens when you sleep in a few hours. Mm-hmm. You wait for it to warm up. You wait for the ice to melt, and then you go out on a run. Like getting up and staying hard isn't always the best thing for your fitness. Um, so I, 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 I go back and forth on how I feel about, about Goggins. I, overall, I'm glad he's bringing people to the sport. Uh, I'm glad he's inspiring. Like if that's the guy you need to get fit and get healthy, hell yeah, that's amazing. Like whatever it takes, uh, he's he's not just 100% for me sometimes. Because I'm with you. I, <laughs> I think he's great in a motivational way, um, but maybe not to train the way he trains. And in a yeah. way, I mean, it's proven... And I love Goggins. Like I'll listen to a podcast or show or something on his own just to get like motivated and pumped up. Right. Like, you know, whatever I'm going about that day. But I mean, then you hear, you know, he has no cartilage in his knees and he's like bleeding from all limbs, you know, (laughs) just like, I'm like, I don't want to be doing that. So, yeah, it's like I, my priority in my training right now is to get strong enough to be able to do this when I'm like 70. (laughs) Not necessarily like if I, if I never win a race again, but I'm running healthy when I'm 70, that's a successful career to me. That's a big um, success. Longevity and hell yeah. Any career I think is incredibly important. Um, and that all goes down to the way you train with, uh, with your training, do you, um, how do you structure your training on a, you know, a normal week? Like, do you doing some strength training in there? Yeah. How much yep. are you fluctuating long distance runs to shorter runs? What types of runs are those? Yep. So I'll just walk you right through the week. Monday is usually a strength and mobility day, more band body weight stuff. And I'm also running on Mondays. Uh, Tuesdays, it's a mid distance run. So 90 minutes to two hours with probably some strides or just really minor speed to get the body loosened up. Wednesdays are speed days. Uh, So either a tempo, a longer tempo. Um, Yesterday I did... Uh, 90 minutes with 45 minutes at a decent tempo pace. Uh, and then other days will be track, something like that on Wednesday. So a half mile, quarter mile, full mile, something like that repeats. Thursdays are another longer, mid-long, so two hours, give or take, with at the end of the day, I do my heavy strength day. Um, so now we're talking more squats, deadlifts, plated stuff. Um, so that's that's a full full weight load, an hour. Um, and I have a, I have an in-person trainer that I actually work with on Thursdays that helps me with that. Um, and then Fridays, easy hour and a half, Saturday, Sunday, long stuff, mix in tempo. Uh, it's usually at race effort or race conditions for the upcoming race. So if I'm going to run a course that's rolling hills, I'll do my best to go out at, let's say four to five hours at race pace, heart rate, and on a course that mimics that. So I'm I'm getting that really that specificity of training that I can go out if I'm 
then going to go do a hundred mile race on that same course. I know what it feels like to run at goal heart rate on the, this type of terrain and this type of course. So, um, you know, anywhere from total distance mileage, I'm not a huge mileage guy, but you're, we're looking at 80 to hundred miles a week, something like that with two dedicated strength sessions. And then pretty much every single day I'll do some kind of mobility work. Mm-hmm. And that's not, a, that's not a huge time suck, but it's more like 15 minutes, 20 minutes of, of mobility just to keep my body moving. And we, we were talking right before we started recording how like, man, I got to do stuff at, at 38 now that even just two or three years ago, I didn't have to do. That's one of them is that like daily mobility. I can, if I skip it, if I skip like two days, I'll wake up and be like, dang, like what is wrong with me? It's like, oh yeah, my back isn't moving because I'm old. Yep. <laughs> but that's that longevity, man. That's what keeps it sustainable for the long yep. term. With, uh, that's an interesting point about the training around a heart rate and kind of a time what is if it's like an average terrain you know 50 to 100 miler do you have similar heart rate targets yeah so for me i i base i'm basing my training off of basically high end zone two for for 100 mile effort um so what is that that you yeah it's like 140 to 145 is kind of that target so I will, I will do my long rounds. I'll try to keep the first hour and a half under sub, like sub 140, just cause I'm, you know, you're, you're easing into it. There will be some cardiac drift at the end of a long run or a long race. So, um, if I'm keeping 138s or something like that, um, every once in a while, I'll, my body will just be perfect and I'll, I'll rip off a, a goal pace run and it'll be 130 average okay. for five hours or something at, you know, eight minute pace up at 10,000 feet. And I'll be like, damn, like that was a good run. That's how I start knowing I'm getting into shape is when my paces start dropping, my heart rate stays the same and uh, my mileage is start going up for a fixed time run. But, but yeah, so I, I'll do that and I'll try to keep the entire run under 145 because that's kind of that target, at least for the first 100K of a run. Um, maybe even the first 80 miles of a 100 miler, I'll keep try to keep my heart rate in that 140 zone. And then from there, like if I'm in a, if I'm in a foot race at mile 85 and I have gas in the tank, then it's like, you know, take off the shackles and let's, let's roll. Um, when I ran my, so I ran my, my hundred mile PR best is right now is what is 13, 16. Um, so it's like seven fifty eight pace, something like that over a hundred miles. And I, I dropped like a 19 flat 5k at mile 90 three 94. Cause I, I wanted to catch the guy in front of me and I still, because I had monitor that heart rate and i didn't let people going in front of me dictate that i was able to say okay i've run a really smooth race shackles are coming off i got gas in the tank i didn't i didn't surge i didn't i kept that smooth heart rate so it's worked really well in my career with uh is that the main metric you look at um in training it is it's interesting because in in racing i'm if you train hard enough understanding what that feels like you can zone out pretty well on race day that not like I'm not staring at my watch. Mm-hmm. I'm, I just know that, okay, this is, this effort is right about 138 beats per minute. So it's race day is a lot of RPE based on what I have learned in training and heart rates. Um, so I, I will like, even my track days, it's all heart rate based. I'll, I'll look to do. So if I'm doing a progressive set or something like that, I'll be yeah, slowly build up, maybe average one beat a minute more per rep over the eight or 10 reps, something like that. Um, I'll try to keep it just moving slightly so I can 
feel? What does that feel of? Okay, what does 160 beats a minute feel for this rep? And then I want to feel what 161 feels like for the next. And it should be like a second or two faster if I'm doing, you know, a mile repeat or something like that. Dang, very cool. I mean, down to the second and like single heart rate. <laughs> yeah. And then when, but then when you get to, if you get that dialed, and I'm not, and most people aren't this dialed in their heart rate, but if you get that dialed, then you can go into race day and you can, you don't necessarily have to wear a heart rate monitor. You don't necessarily have to be super zoned in because mentally there's a mental fatigue element in 100 plus mile racing and if you can take some of those elements away where i'm not mentally fatigued over looking at my heart rate every five minutes on a watch like that's one less thing i have to worry about just because i know okay i'm moving up this hill a little too quick i gotta pull back yeah um let that guy go i don't care what he's doing i'm doing this yeah and it's probably good mentally to never ran anything close to what you've run um, but when you're in that race to like be in a zone where you don't have to look at your watch every yeah. minute, hundred percent. I mean, that, that, that 13, 16 is the most perfect race I've ever run in my life. And I don't think I looked at my watch or even considered what I was doing until about a hundred K in. Dang. And it was like, holy, holy crap. Like we're cruising. Um, <laughs> and it's just one of those things If you can limit the things you have to think about, it makes your life so much easier, especially if it's on trail or, um, weather's inclement or anything like you have enough to worry about i hear athletes talk about it in all sports but it's like the flow state of oh yeah you know it can be in any athlete in any sport it's almost you're just doing it without thinking about it with uh with what you do nutrition mm -hmm. and hydration have to be a major part of it when uh let's go through your normal week first and then you know kind of what you would do on a race day so during your mm -hmm. normal week you know, I'm guessing it might vary a little bit depending on what your day is with the training, but you know, what are you making sure you get in, um, during a week with yep. nutrition? Only metric I track is protein. Um, so I, I, I track my protein into every single day. Um, so I'm, I'm aiming for 150 grams of protein or more every single day. And that's like, I, I'm not trying to get that. I weigh 158. All right. Perfect. So it's about one to one, right, give or take, right? I think that's a great so, rule of thumb too. Yeah. Yep. That's that's what I tell people too. Like, I'm, it's it's not always. Sometimes it's one fifty or one sixty on my protein. Sometimes it's one forty five. But if I'm in that, like, I'm pretty damn close to one to one. Um, that's a that's a really good ballpark. And I tell athletes that all the time, like, just come close to one to one, right? Your body's not going to know if you're one gram off or one gram over. Um, so I, I track that. Uh, pretty readily. And I actually, I started that when, so I went plant-based um, almost two years ago uh, as an athlete and obviously getting, getting good protein, getting clean, clean nutrition in as a plant-based athlete was really difficult. I, uh, I'll now say I just added chicken back into my diet based on, so I made that decision. I made that plant-based decision based off of data. Um, I'm really, I'm, as you might pick up on what yeah. you've been hearing, I'm, I'm a, I'm a data-driven athlete. So, um, I allow all my decisions to be made as, as just what the data says. So I was looking at my blood draws. I was looking at my, my sleep metrics and my recovery and my performances mornings of, and I started correlating, realizing that days I ate a lot of meat, I wasn't performing well because I wasn't sleeping well. And so I started experimenting. I did a three month experiment cutting meat. Uh, I took a blood draw, tracked every single metric I could for three months, took another blood draw. And it said, yep, this is the right choice. So um, fast forward to actually just end of August, 
say just a couple months ago, um, blood draws are finally starting to say, metrics are starting to say, I got to add some, some animal protein back into my diet. So just reintroduced chicken. And, um, so I, going back to the original question, track proteins a little easier now with, with chicken in, because I actually have some, some really easy to cook, uh, fuel sources. Um, that's, that's that. And then the other big one for me, and this is more in workout is I'm a very heavy sodium sweater. Mm -hmm. So I've had my sweat rate tested for, for sodium and electrolytes. And, um, I sweat at 1535 milligrams of sodium per liter of sweat. And that's like three to four times what the average sports drink would actually have in it. So I have to be very, very cognizant of fluids going into my body and making sure that I'm getting electrolytes with, because I could get, um, hypernatremic really, really quick if I'm not doing that based on my fluid needs. So mm -hmm. those are the two big ones. Um, I have caloric goals. So I've done, again, I, I'm really big on the idea of test don't guess when it comes to nutrition needs and anything like this. Um, so I've worked with a dietitian on a lot of this. I've done a metabolic profile of my needs. Mm -hmm. 285 calories an hour is kind of the goal. 60 to 80 grams of carbs. Um, I shoot for somewhere around there. I'm primarily a liquid calorie guy, right? So I, it's one of those other pieces of what other thing do I not have to think about counting? Mm -hmm. And if I'm taking in one, one bottle has 285 calories in it, boom, that's a bottle an hour. I don't have to, I don't have to be like, how did I eat that gel? Yeah, how many gels? I just know, like if I finish that bottle, um, I need another bottle. Now. What's in your so bottle? It's been, um, so I have gone back and forth between a couple of different products. Uh, Gnarly Fuel 2.0 has been in my bottle for, for a lot of races this year. And then I'm just starting to work with a product called Precision Fuel and Hydration. They have a, a liquid that is actually high sodium they're they're a company that's been founded by a guy that has a very high sodium sweat rate um so instead of mine i've never got it tested but i bet my dude, sodium sweat it's life-changing it's so crazy because there's so there's two there's two factors right is like actually how much you sweat and so that that determines how much you need to replace in fluids and then there's the sodium element it's like then what's the concentration of sodium of the fluids you're replacing and so i I'm actually high on both. So I, I'm a 46 ounce per hour generally necessary for hotter conditions of fluid. So if you're taking in 46 ounces, so that's a little bit over a liter and I'm taking just like salt tabs, it's like 20 salt tabs I need to take an hour. Um, and it's just not, it's not sustainable. So, um, finding options that have higher sodium for me, like the precision fuel and hydration, um, they actually make like dissolvable tablets that are super high sodium that's actually made for people with 1500 plus milligrams of sodium per liter sweat um so that makes my life a lot easier there i don't have to be popping literal handfuls of salt tabs what about on a race day yeah so i i, I practice like i i race mm -hmm. um every every day i go out some people are like oh, i'm only i'm only running 10 miles a day i don't need my fuel no like for me it's I, I practice like a race and I race you like don't, practice. Like on a big race day, say you're going into a hundred miler, you don't make sure you have extra anything. You kind of like are set because that's the way you've been training. Yeah, I, I, I'll i have like my crew will have, if I want a little mini Snickers bar or something like that, right? Like, like if I'm mentally just need a pick me up sometimes, yeah. something like that is really nice. Or I'm, 
my my all time favorite thing is Mexican Coke, like pure sugar Coca Cola. Is like, dude, that is love it. It is so good. You're 80 miles into a hot race, so you can like slam some Mexican Coke. Um, like so stuff like that. I don't count on that stuff. That's more just like, damn, I really want some Coke right now, or uh, gummy bears. I hand it gum, but I that's all bonus. If I, my stomach feels good, I'll have that. Um, and then the other thing actually just this year I've started working in is ketones. Um, so I, I, I have been adding a, just a couple grams of ketones in a product called ketone IQ into every bottle. And I find that that kind of mentally gives me, it doesn't give me any physical energy, but mentally it gives me a ton more energy. Yeah. Um, and I've had a ton of success in this, these long, long races I've done this year, um, using a little, like a low levels of ketones. And I, I find that it's kind of done two things. One, it keeps me mentally engaged, but two, it, I don't have those kind of down moments where I go into an A station and I'm like, all I want is gummy bears and sugar and crap like that. And what actually it's bonus is like after races, I don't have as much inflammation in my body. And I recover quicker. And it's like, it's just such a weird little thing, but I've, I've had a ton of success adding. Um, so on, on top of your normal fats, carbs, proteins, adding some, some ketones as fuel has, has worked really well. Yeah. I need to, uh, I thought about trying some ketones. Um, I need to try it. Do you, um, do you use any, do you supplement with creatine at all? I do. Yep. Creatine twice a day. Um, five milligrams in the morning and five milligrams right before my, my biggest workout of the day. Nice. With, uh, with your career, man, you are now 10 years in, um, yeah. first place finishes. You have incredibly long runs and races. Do you have one run or one race that it could have been your hardest race, the one you're most proud of, you know, along the way. And it could have been your first one, you know, that you've, well, uh, um, I, a couple of stand out, but the one that absolutely stands out the most is treadmill world records. Um, you know, not everybody that for sure. I know, I know you kind of set it up for this though, but that's, that's definitely one that, um, man, it's just doing something that nobody's ever done before, especially right. Being a, not a fast runner back in the day, uh, being a fat kid after college and then coming out and literally doing something nobody's ever done like three things that nobody's ever done doing them all at once and that was man that's so special and like even if somebody breaks that and i hope somebody does someday like nobody can ever take that away from me you're the first um i was the first yeah i was the first person ever so november 3rd last year yeah you get this idea uh we got to talk about how you figured out (laughs) but you're in new york and you're on a motorless, right? No motor. motorless. Yeah, assault runner. Assault runner treadmill. You go for 24 hours on this thing. Yeah. Yep. You run over a hundred miles. You break yep. like uh, I think it's the fastest hundred, um, most miles in 12 hours, most miles in 24 hours. Yep. I mean, all right. First, tell me how'd you decide to do this, dude? Uh, this is kind of embarrassing now, but. I literally just wanted a free treadmill. <laughs> and so I was, I was like, oh, treadmills like, are sweet though. So they're free, but they're so expensive. And I was like, bro, like what? They're like 10 grand like, or maybe more. Yeah. No, they're like, they're like, they're like five grand. Okay. And I was like, I was like, what, what can I do? And I was like, oh, well it started as like, oh, well maybe I could do 24 hour, a hundred miles for charity or something like that. And they would just be a part of it. 
And so we just got the the wheel spinning and I looked it up and I was like, holy shit, nobody has ever run a hundred miles in 20. Nobody's ever run a hundred miles at all on an assault runner. Um, and I was like, this is super cool. Like, let's, let's look into this. And I realized like the, um, nobody had ever officially done a 12 hour or a 24 hour. And so, um, I worked with Guinness and they set the bars for each of them. And, um, yeah, so I worked with, I was, I was partnered with 10,000 at the time and, um, 10,000 got involved and the salt runner got involved. And then, um, I had done a bunch of charity work in previous, uh, year with the lifetime foundation. And so I called up the lifetime foundation. I was like, Hey, like, let's do this. Like I didn't, I never backed off of wanting to do it for charity, even though, you know, there was some personal stuff of hitting world records involved, but it was still a charity thing for me and, you know, getting healthy food is the kids and in lunches and training lunch staff on how to feed kids healthier is a, is a huge, huge passion of mine. And I was like, let's, let's figure out a way to do this for charity. I'm going after these world records. And then so lifetime got involved. We hosted it at a club, a lifetime club in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, man, that dude, like, everybody's like oh somebody breaks it will you do that again like hell no dude that was like the the most incredible but like the worst 24 hours of my life i mean most people hate treadmills anyways and i don't know if this like proven fact or not but i think most obviously motorless it's going to be harder but those assault yeah. runners are just i feel like difficult yeah. like you're so well you're at it alone yeah you're at a time. it's a bean shape and so you're stepping uphill every time and then you're kind of pulling back. And so my, so I'd done a bunch of training on that, of course, leading up to it. I, um, my longest assault runner runs 40 miles, uh, leading into the 24 hours, but I was in, you know, I was doing pretty high mileage on the, the assault runner overall during the week. And so we get to the run and I knew at some point you're on a motorless treadmill, you're stepping uphill onto this belt and then pulling backwards. Like I knew repetitive use was going to bite me in the ass pretty hard at some point. And it came early. Like it came in my like 50, 55, my hip flexor started going out. I, excuse me, my hamstrings start going out and it became an absolute battle. I mean, going at, at uh, yeah. 60 miles left, I think. Dude, <laughs> every step hurt. It was actually, it was wild because like mentally in a race, even if you're hurting, you always have a landmark or an aid station or that next thing. Like, hey, man, like I'm hurting, but I can go two more miles to the aid station and then we'll just get going from there. And all I had was freaking wall and we had Zwift running. And uh, I it's just mentally, I just knew the whole time when I started hurting. I'm like, you look at the ground. I'm I'm one step away from being done. Just step right. right like. On all you can do is step up if you want to quit in the middle of a race you might be two to three miles to the aid station and by the time you get there you convince yourself to keep going but man i'm like i'm like float off the ground right now and then like there's chairs there and like did, like we have a, a car like <laughs> did you prep anybody like uh your support around you being like all right if i like talk about getting off this thing like tell me not to uh, they knew, right? We, they they all knew that shit was going to get hard and I would need some pep talks. And we had planned that pretty thorough. I knew it was going to be harder mentally than it was physically. Mm -hmm. And like I, I, I did a ton of mental strength training leading into it. Yeah, so I knew going into this that 
mentally it was going to be as hard, if not harder than it would be physically. And so I spent probably an hour or two a day doing some mental strength training work around different scenarios, different, different things I could go through and ways I can fight through them. And so I just, I, my goal is to have as many arrows in my quiver as possible that when shit got hard, um, cause everybody knows that, right. You've like, if you've run for 10 minutes on a treadmill in a gym, you've wanted to get off. Definitely. Imagine amplifying that by 18 to 19 hours. And like, so I just, I knew going into it. So we had, I prepared my, my wife and her mom are actually my, my two main crew people. And I had my best friend there and his partner and, um, I had the 10,000 team and then gym people where we had, this was kind of public. So I always had that little bit of public feeling of yeah, a lot of equation to stay on. Exactly. So I, I had that external motivation too. Um, but, but yeah, so we, we just did different things. I had lined up friends that weren't there throughout like just different times of the day and the night to call in and do a little mini FaceTime. And it's like, Hey, like give me a five minute pep talk. Like, whether I'm going well or I'm going bad, like give me this pep talk. Um, so I had, I had a lot of strategies to, to to keep it moving. I had some old walk jog strategies. I had breaks planned. I could get off the treadmill whenever I wanted to, but the mm-hmm. clock kept going. So that was my only currency was time. So I had to spend it very wisely. But those little breaks of going to the bathroom were, like, it was quiet time, right? It was like yeah. just kind of like. Let me be in the bathroom by myself. Like, let me just recenter myself, reset, and then back on the back on. And like every time I would come out of the bathroom, the whole the whole community would like cheer and scream and get excited for me to get back on. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. And like it, it got that <laughs> it got that adrenaline pumping. And then by the time I realized what was happening, I was like, ah, oh, crap! They tripped me back on it again. Back on. Like, <laughs> this. With uh, with that, I mean, had you uh. Had you trained on an assault treadmill before, like for other races? Uh, Maybe if it's raining not, or something. Or... Yeah, not not a ton. I, I had run on one a couple of years prior, and I, I was like, wow. My first my first thought was, wow, this is really hard. Um, like Same. I could be, probably be, be a better <laughs> runner for doing this. And so I, I had always been, I always stuck with that. And I, as I moved up to I moved up to the high country here in Colorado. I live at almost 10,000 feet. The winters are pretty hard up here mm-hmm. for running outside. And so I I was like, oh, yeah, like I have a drive, a power treadmill. I've had one for a while. And I was like, God, oh, you know what? I kind of want one of these because it's going to force me to train a little bit harder. I can do speed work a little bit more naturally. And that's what, like got the, the wall spinning. But I think cumulatively before I committed to trying to go for the world records, I'd probably run. And miles on an assault runner. Hey, you uh, you bumped up that mileage pretty darn quick. I I did a little bit. <laughs> Engineered Sleep makes the best mattresses out there. Sleep is the number one thing you can focus on right now to better your performance on a daily basis. And you might as well be sleeping on an engineered sleep mattress. Like I said, their products are the best and their customer service is second to none. Their website is engineeredsleep.com. If you use promo code LIVE15, you'll get 15% off your order. So if you or someone you know is looking for a new mattress, reach out to the team at Engineered Sleep and they'll hook you up. Again, their website is engineeredsleep.com. Use promo code LIVE15 to get 15% off your order. With uh, with your running in general, I know you're uh, data-driven. Like you, We've talked yeah. about it a lot. Like You're in the data. You're, you're tracking your, 
metrics and um I thought that was cool now that you you do you have some position with aura ring right well sad news I was actually laid off three days ago but damn um, no you're good but I, I I still believe I'm still I'm still wearing the product for a reason yeah right? like um I believe in the product I believe in data whether it's um before I started working with with aura I was with whoop or I I was using whoop I wasn't working sure. with them. I, I was using whoop um, now I use Aura. I, I have a Coros. So um, having access to data, I think, is just really important. It doesn't have to be Aura. It doesn't have to be Whoop. Whatever you have is good. Um, it's just using what you have, right? Most most running watches these days provide some kind of sleep metrics. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think for 99% of people, taking a look at how you're sleeping can write you a script for how you should live your day. Uh, for most things, as long as you understand, like, hey, like, what did I eat tonight? And then I didn't sleep well, or I slept great. Okay, what did I do the day before that helped me sleep well? Um, you just have to do a little bit of, um, I think that's journaling and connecting the dots with uh, what you eat and how you sleep and then how you feel. Totally. Because yeah, well, look at look at alcohol, right? I mean, I mm-hmm. I, I I stopped drinking. I'll have maybe couple drinks once in a while if i go to a wedding maybe i'll have a glass of champagne you but, like dude i what i need it um no but it's just look at like what's important to me is is having a couple drinks at the brewery on a tuesday night when it's meaningless important to me or is waking up the next day and crushing my speed session is that what's important to me and um the data just confirmed that okay this is by far the right choice because I know how much better I sleep or I'd sleep like absolute crap when I even have one drink. So um, looking at that, there's actually a really, there's some new sites that are popping up that are like data aggregates for health and fitness data. So there's one that I've been using. It's still in beta, but it's called Cambrian. And they basically allow you to pull in like Strava data, sleep data from Aura or Whoop. And, and you can kind of and and then like my fitness pile and and nutritional data and you can start picking xy axis and say hey like days that i hit my protein goal let's look at performance or let's look at sleep let's look at whatever the next three days and see if there's and it'll actually tell you what the correlation is and so you can start weeding out these different like okay there's a really strong correlation i can tell you between not drinking and sleeping better or or a worse correlation between drinking and and that that site just helps you if you're already putting data into a my fitness pal or a strava or um, it just kind of pulls it together and then gives you lab values which is really flipping cool for someone that might have like a some sort of thing tracking their you know the heart rate and their data and stuff Mm-hmm. What would be like a metric, one or two metrics that you know you would pay into pay the most attention to, or like could maybe yeah. be the the most signs of some things going right or wrong? Yeah, so HRV is kind of the gold standard. Um, so basically, the the variable in between heartbeats, and then HRV, it's easy to get it misunderstood or confused, but one is completely independent of anybody else's HRV. So. Sam, you and I can look at our HRVs together and like yours might be way higher than mine, might be way lower, and that does not matter at all. Okay. The only thing that matters is you and and um higher for me is better, right? So once you kind of figure out your range, you want it to be higher versus lower. Okay. But you know, if, if you're 80 and I'm a hundred or vice versa, that really doesn't mean a whole hell of a lot. Um so 
you can actually look at your HRV scores. And if you have somebody like a Whoop or an Aura, you can look throughout the night at when your HRV is changing. And so I tend to work out later in the day for either a first time or a second time if I'm doing two days. And because I work out later in the day, my HRV is going to be pretty low throughout the first part of the night. But once my body is getting into a more of a deep sleep and recovery mode, not HRV does start to spike. So I actually don't even look at the average HRV anymore. I look at where does it start spiking for me? And then what does it look like after that? So this is, I know that's kind of getting probably too into the weeds for your question, but HRV is a really important one. Understanding, um, go out and do a hard work. Look at your HRV overnight, go out and do an easy day or take a rest day and your HRV should be higher. I can say I live at 10,000 feet. I go to sea level. My HRV is through the roof. It looks great. Um, right. The algorithms are like, damn, like you can recover great yesterday. Um, and then the other one that might be a little bit easier for a lot of devices is just resting heart rate. Uh, that's a pretty good sign of what your general fitness is looking like. Um, and I look at that overnight as well. Like what is my low heart rate getting down to? Um, you can really nerd out on the shape of heart rate patterns throughout the night. Um, it should look like a bowl shape. So, you know, midway through the night, you're going to be at your lowest and then it'll probably slowly start rising as you get closer to sunrise or or waking up. And as you can nerd out a little bit more, you can start looking at, you know, when did my heart rate get its lowest? And, and then you can start tweaking things like, Oh, a warm shower right before bed. It actually lowers your temperature because you know, your body thinks it's heating up. So it kicks in the lowing and the lowering. And once you have your lower temperature, your heart rate starts dropping it. And there's so much stuff like this. If anybody's actually nerding out on this, um, take, uh, take a look at, uh, Dr. Matthew Walker's book, why we sleep. That's kind of the gold standard to, to looking through all this data and understanding sleep data that might help you become a better athlete. Mm-hmm. I had, a. um, Kristen Holmes on the podcast. She's, I think, the director of performance for Whoop, and uh, she really got into the weeds about <laughs> HRVs and heart rates. Deep and all that you stuff. can get there quick with uh, with your career. You're ten years yep. in. Um, I know you. You mentioned you still have aspirations of winning a hundred miler and and things that you you know. I'm sure you have mentally, and you probably maybe have told people or you've written down what um. What are some more goals that you want to accomplish in the near term? Yeah. So immediate near term, like we're talking six weeks from now, I want to win a national championship in 24 hour. Um, so I'm racing us 24 hour national championships on November, I think 18th. Uh, it's in Phoenix. Um, so what's the, uh, yeah, is it going to be hot out there? It's not, it's not going to be bad. So I'm in November, um, High is supposed to be 70, low is supposed to be upper 40s. So perfect. Um, yeah, man, I I'll see what happens. So that that's that's always been a goal. Like how how can I like win on the you know national stage? And then um I had a chance to in 2017 represent the US in Spartathlon and I want some to, of that. Yeah. I wanna I wanna I wanna wear the red, white, and blue again for the end of my career. So I and I'm guessing based on where my fitness has been and what my specialties have been as, as I've gotten at this stage of my career is probably going to be in that 24 hour distance. So every two years, there's a world 24 hour national championship. And, um, the, if, if you win the U S national championship, you get to go on that team. So, 
Um, we'll see if in a, in like six weeks, I might check two of those boxes. With um, with the upcoming twenty four hour national race championship, what's uh, what mileage do you think would win it? Man, it's it's so so it's an off year. So what that means is um, most of the top competitors are going to be competing at the world championships in December. So some of the top runners are not going to be there. So um, maybe a little cherry picking on my part, but I can only race who shows up. Um, I, I don't know. It, it's so hard to tell. My, I can tell you right now of 145, 145 miles is the, is the standard to be able to, to race for team USA. Um, so that would be like my minimum goal is 145 miles. Um, and you know what? I, I even if I didn't win the race, if I got into the the low one fifties, it's a pretty good shot. I would qualify for the team in in two years. What um what date is it? We got to track you, dude. I gotta I gotta follow this. I'll show us that <laughs> second. It's, I, I think it's the eighteenth. Let me uh, let me consult my calendar real quick. Yeah, I'll show about a date. There's gotta uh, be a yeah. way to track. Yes, yeah, it's, it's no it's November eighteenth. It's an Aura Viper race, so I'm guessing it's gonna be live streamed the whole time. Oh, nice. um, so I start to. Uh, 8 a.m. Pacific on November 18th. I think it's Pacific. Man, Arizona is weird. They don't do they don't do time changes, and I never know when in November time that is going to change. So, time change. I might be. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't either. I'll just I'll just show up the race on the gun go so Oh, all right. As we're wrapping up, I got I can't leave without uh. Out talking about your rescue pups. Do they? Um, yes. Who are they? What are they? Um, what's yeah. So, so we have two rescue dogs. Um, the older, her name is Bean. She it is a pit Doberman mix, but her personality is mainly Doberman. Um, she's an awesome. She looks like a Vishla. It's like everybody thinks she's Vishla. Uh, so she is six now. And then her younger sister is named Sprout. So together they're Bean Sprout, and she'll be three. And um, she is mostly boxer, but she she looks like a Staffordshire Terrier cattle dog. So she's like boxer staffy cattle dog, but looks like a cattle dog staffy. And um, man, so I I created this thing in my mind called the Bean Sprout Run Club, and it's it's just when me and my dogs go out for a run together. And uh, Bean, Bean could run for 20 miles and not stop. Sprout is a little on the shorter side for running. Mm-hmm. Um, but the joy that those two dogs have, like when they get it out and run, it is one of the most pure things I've ever experienced in my life. And so to me, the Bean Sprout Run Club is when I'm in it, when I'm feeling it in a race and I am just miserable and hurting. Like I'm like, all right, Bean Sprout Run Club, let's go. Let's go. Like, let's go. Um, and so like that is that is my like emotional tie to those dogs when I'm going through it in the race. It's like, okay, you know what? If they were running with me right now, they didn't give a shit that I'm hundred miles into this thing. All they're gonna they're gonna be so happy to run. And that that changes my mindset. So man, those those dogs mean so much to me and my wife and um Does your wife we, yeah. with you at all? She does not. She power lifts. Like she, she can pick up heavier weights than I can. I know you. She, you you know. mentioned she's a part of your support team. I didn't know if she ever yep. paced you or anything like that. She, she actually first time ever. Copied on a two fifty this year. She ran. There's a there's one leg. It's like five point three miles or something like that. 
and um she jumped in and around with me it was so special uh makes me emotion makes me emotional thinking about it she's she's not a huge runner but like it's five miles and i was you know 100 miles into this thing so we uh we i was able to to experience her running along with me but she's she's a data scientist and super smart with organizing data and numbers so i can hand off a lot of my caloric needs pacing needs and she uh, she is like ultimate nascar pit crew she fills me up and sends me back out there and i don't have to worry about anything well don dude uh thank you so much for joining me it's been a pleasure having you on uh i mean i I told you uh, maybe before just when we started like distance runners ultra runners just fascinate me around and not even like your capabilities as doing this feat but also mentally powering through and doing it and uh i mean i think you've You've mastered a lot of like the mental fortitude, I believe, to do this type of thing. And um, it's inspirational to, to, I think, anybody that's trying to get out there and do it. And um, thank you for joining me. It's been a pleasure having you on. Thanks, brother. I, I appreciate it. And um, anybody listening, my Instagram is totally open for DMs. I love talking about this stuff. I love helping people run however possible. So um, I always do that plug because I try to be as supportive as possible to I to new runners that just that just don't know where to go. So um, drop me a line, shoot me a note, I will get back to you and and then help you. I I didn't have a lot of help when I first started, so I I want to kind of fill that void. Yeah, most definitely. We'll have uh, the Instagram in the show notes, and also I'm going to put a link to the 24 uh, hour national race you got coming up. So you can well, let's do it. Little fan club that's coming to watch it. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right, brother. I appreciate you. you. Yeah, you too, brother. Thank you for listening. Give our partners some love by visiting their links in the show notes. Spinks Convenience Stores, you can find the location nearest you. Rebel Rabbit Seltzers, they're on a mission to socialize healthier and smarter. So join the mission. And Engineered Sleep, making the best mattresses in the game. You might as well be sleeping on an Engineered Sleep mattress. For me, if you could... Give our show a five-star rating on your listening platform. That'd be greatly appreciated. And thank you so much for listening.